You know, my message this morning, I, uh, I kind of want to keep with that, with that theme. Because I want to speak this morning about heroes, and heroes do heroic things. And that's just the way it is. I mean, heroes do heroic things. And we, um, we celebrate the heroes this year who risk their lives. Many even sacrifice their lives so that uh, people that were trapped in those uh, towers could be rescued, could be saved. And it wasn't just even, I mean, you know, we, we talk about the, the, the searching through the rubble and the risk and everything, but those guys, I mean, if you haven't seen a, uh, any kind of a documentary on 9-11 this weekend, you probably didn't have your TV on. Um, but there were so many, so many men and women who rose to the occasion. You know what I mean? And they did heroic things. And it wasn't just the firefighters or the, P the, the EMTs or the paramedics or, or the policemen, although they did, and they were awesome. And there were firefighters running upstairs into a burning building to rescue people. And they did those things, and they were very heroic things. But they did those things because they were heroes. And we celebrate them. We celebrate that anniversary. Um, but I just want to talk a little bit about, about heroes and how they do heroic things out of um, God's word. And so I want to start out with 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 13 to 17. It says this. It says, during harvest time, three of the 30. And before that, it's talking about David's mighty men. And, I mean, you, you read about David, and I think David was a pretty tough guy himself. You know what I mean? And, uh, I mean, even when he was a kid out, you know, tending the sheep, it says, when the lion came along, I took care of the lion. When the bear came along, I took care of the bear. Now, how many of you guys would want to fight a lion or a bear all on your own? Not me either, okay? You know, and so I think David was a pretty tough guy all on his own, but he gives this list of his mighty men. So I can only imagine how how amazing these mighty men were. And David longed out loud, it says. It says, three of the 30 chief men came down to David at the cave of Adullam while a band of Philistines were encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty men broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. They went through the enemy lines. They, they, I don't know if they snuck their way through. I don't know if they fought their way through. I don't know how they got through those enemy lines there and back, but they went through the enemy lines to get water from a well for their king simply because he kind of ventured out loud, oh, man, it'd sure be nice to have a drink of water from that well. And I just want to submit to you today that that was a pretty heroic thing. It may seem very insignificant, but their leader, their king, was, in their opinion, in need, and they risked their lives to go and do what they thought he needed them to do. They could have been killed. They risked their lives. It was a very unselfish thing to do. We think about 9-11, all those things apply. 
exactly the same way. They risked their lives. It was a very unselfish thing to do. They could have been killed in the process. Many of them were killed in the process, but they did not hesitate. And why did they do this thing for their king? Because heroes do heroic things. I mean, it's just the way it is. I was watching a documentary yesterday, and one of the things that struck me the most, actually there were a couple of things. One was they would talk about, they, they were talking with many of the survivors, and they would talk about the people that got them out. They would talk about the men who, and the women who were instrumental in getting them out. And then at the end, they would show a picture of those people that were instrumental in getting them out, and then say, how many people's lives were saved because of their actions, and those people didn't make it out, the ones that were doing all the assisting. Why would they do that? Because heroes do heroic things. The other thing that struck me was one of the firefighters. He said, I was going up, getting ready to go upstairs with my firefighters. He said, we all stopped. We all looked at each other. We all shook each other's hand, and we said, we may not make it out of here alive but it's been good knowing you. It's been good working with you. Good luck to you. And with that, they went upstairs. They knew that they were risking their lives. They knew that they might not make it out alive, but they went. Why did they go? Because heroes do heroic things. And that's why they did it. David refused to drink the water. If we continue there, it says, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, O Lord, to do this. He said, it is not, now is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. Now, we honor those this weekend on this 20-year anniversary. Hopefully, we remember them every day. But we honor those who went into those buildings. We honor those who went into that rubble. And we are, are, are grateful and thankful. And there are many, many thousands of people who survived. Many thousands who lost their lives, but many thousands who survived because of the actions of those heroes. And it was all the first responders in New York City. But listen, it, did, it wasn't limited to that. I mean, if you remember, and of course you do, if you were there, and I look around the room, and I think most everybody was probably here then. People from all over the country, people from all over the world flocked to New York City to do what they could do, to help where they could help, to, to bless where they could bless, whether it was crawling through the rubble and trying to find survivors, or whether it was cooking meals, whether it was bringing water, whether it was standing and praying, no matter what it was, to support those that were doing those things. Heroes gathered in New York City from all over the place. Why did they do that? Why did they leave their homes? Why did they go to that place that was in such desperate need? Because heroes do heroic things. That's why. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And those heroes risked their lives. Some even gave their lives. And why did they do that? They laid down their lives so that others could be saved. I mean, I'll tell you, even, even during the, 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 the preparation for this morning, I look at that and I'm thinking, God, they risked their lives. They gave their lives so that other lives could be saved. But weren't their lives important too? They were. 
They were very important. But they had a job to do. But I can tell you this. There's no amount of money that can convince somebody to run upstairs in a burning building unless it's in their heart to do so. And it was in their heart to do so. And they were heroes. And they did heroic things. They put themselves in harm's way. And you know what? Here's the thing. They didn't look at a list and say, so who's up there? Are they important enough for me to go up there and risk my own life? Are they valuable enough for me to go up there and risk my own life? Wait a minute. Is my family up there that would make it worth going up there to risk my life? They didn't do that. They laid down their life for somebody else that they didn't even know. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, Just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for us. You know, I heard stories from survivors yesterday. One guy in particular who said, I, I was, he was in the, the second tower hit. I don't remember which one it was now. But when the first tower had been hit, everybody in his office went downstairs. And he's like, we're going home. And some of the people got off the elevator. He said, and I got off the elevator. I was going home. He said, but everybody else in my office was back on the elevator. And they're like, Stan, come on back in. You know, that's over there. It's not over here. We're not in any danger. Let's go back to the office. Well, when that tower got hit, he ended up being trapped. And because he was on like one of the floors right there where the plane impacted and he was trapped and he's calling out and he's calling out and he's calling out and there's no way that he was going to be able to get out of there and somebody heard him calling out who was coming down the stairs and somebody was going up the stairs and they said I just came from the floor that's on fire we need to go back up instead of down and 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 he heard this guy yelling and so Everybody else turned around to go back upstairs and he kept going down to where he heard that guy screaming for help. He was not a first responder. He was somebody from an office upstairs. He was a civilian person, not even somebody who was, whose job it was to do that kind of thing, not even somebody who was being paid to do that kind of thing, but he was a, a human being who cared about another human being who was in trouble. He was somebody who recognized that somebody else needed help. He was on his way out. He was trying to escape, and yet he stopped on his own path to uh, escape to help somebody else and he went in there and he got that guy out of there and he took him down with him and that guy was trapped and this, this verse says that just at the right time when we were still powerless that guy was powerless to get himself out he tr believe me he tried to get himself out but he could do nothing about it but just at the right time when we were powerless Christ died for the ungodly who's the ungodly all of us were ungodly and Christ died for us we were powerless we could do nothing on our own and let me just tell you church there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. 
It is all absolutely through the blood of Jesus Christ. As we partook of the blood and the body elements, representation elements this morning, that is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. It's through his body and his blood that was hung on a cross that was shed for each and every one of us, and he did it for us when we were powerless to do so ourselves. We had no way to achieve eternity with God. I mean, I guess we could have lived a perfect life. Should have been able to. Couldn't. Didn't. Jesus looked down, saw that we weren't. And he who did lead a perfect life gave his life for us just at the right time. They were trapped in that building. They were injured in that building. And those responders, those civilians, those people who were there just at the right time came and got them out. I heard another story of a woman who was going down the the stairs and she was like 63 years old. And when you're on the 130th floor and you have a lot of stairs to walk down, I mean, I think of that and I'm like, I'll just roll up in a little ball and roll down the stairs because that might be the only way I'm going to get down those stairs. You know what I mean? And she was just sitting on the floor. And they're like, people are, you know, coming up behind her. And, and she's like, just leave me. I can't do it. And a couple of guys said, not on our watch. And they each got on each side of her, lifted her up, and took her all the way down the stairs. From what I understood on the story, she said she was um, on the second floor. And she's like, I, they got it all the way down the second floor. And she just hit the ground. She's like, I just can't go any farther. Just leave me. And they're like, not a chance. And they just picked her up and carried her out of there. We may have a hard time thinking about dying for someone, but Jesus did it willingly. And he did it powerfully. And he did it eternally. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, you think about that verse and you think, yeah, we were sinners and Christ died for us. He died for us so that, so that we could be, become righteous, so that we could be saved, so that our sins could be washed away. But you know, the way that, that, that Hebrew is put together, it kind of gives you this idea. And to me, this just makes it even that much more powerful. It says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were in the act of sinning, Christ died for us. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. We were sinning against God, and Jesus Christ died for us. Now, I want you to think about that for yourself for a minute. If you see somebody in need and you begin to go and you begin to help them and do the heroic thing that's necessary and they start smacking you with their purse or something or, or start calling you names or whatever else and you know they're in trouble, you know they need your help, you know they're not going to make it without you and yet they start reviling you and start calling you all sorts of you know, foul names and ugly things and, and, and start whatever what would you do? I mean, 
to me, the natural thing would be like, okay, you're on your own. Good thing I'm not God. Because God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were doing all those things against him, Jesus Christ died for us. And it made an eternal difference. Many firemen, policemen, even civilian citizens responded 20 years ago on September 11th. I'm sure they went in with the idea that they would save lives, hopefully not give their own up, but knowing that even that might potentially happen. They went in with the idea that it could cost them their lives. But might, listen, this might cost them their lives was not a deterrent. They went in anyway. Jesus knew what he was going to do would cost him his life. He knew it. He did not go in saying, man, I hope we make this out alive. He went in going, I'm not making this out alive. As far as his worldly, earthly body was concerned. But he also knew in three days he would raise from the dead. And it's a good thing because that's the power that brings us into presence of God. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that worked in him. The same spirit that raised God from the dead works in you. And he dwells in you. And as we felt the Holy Spirit, we feel the Holy Spirit in this place. Overflowing, bubbling over. That's the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead after Jesus gave his life on the cross and shed his blood so that we could live in eternity with him. And that's the only reason why. And why did he do that? Why did those civilians do it? Why did those first responders do it? Because heroes do heroic things. And am I comparing Jesus' death on the cross to pay for our sins with the sacrifice that thousands of heroes made 20 years ago? You bet I am. The difference is Jesus died once and for all. His sacrifice was once and for all. Many of those men and women gave their lives for thousands of people. And then they lost their life. But hopefully when their earthly life was over, they knew Jesus Christ and their eternal life began. And you know, <laughs> even as I say that, and I hadn't thought that before, but even as I say that, I can just begin to see the, the welcome and the celebration and the joy that would be shared with them and that they would feel when they entered into the presence of God. I mean, church, we give our lives in such a way that we're laying down our lives for another. We're reflecting God's love. Let's see, if you were here last week, somebody talked about reflecting God's love. Really smart guy. I don't know who it was. Smart aleck guy is what my wife typically says. She doesn't really. I'm just throwing her under the bus. <laughs> Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for another. These guys showed love. They reflected the love of God in Jesus Christ. I can't even begin to imagine a better moment to enter into the presence of God. Wow. That's an amazing thing. We just want to have a tribute 
20 years ago, many, many heroes, too many to even count. I believe so many that we'll never even know the full number of heroes. But at the same time, church, we must, as the scripture said, do this in remembrance of me, we must remember what it is that Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And what does that mean for us? Again, last week I talked about reflections. Talked about reflecting his love. Did they reflect his love? You bet. Reflecting his light. What was the verse? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who's in heaven. I can tell you this. When somebody came and got them out of where they were trapped, they would say thank you to them, and I guarantee you they were saying thank you to God. So they reflected his light. I talked last week about reflecting his glory, the glory of God. I'll tell you what, I can't think of anything more glorious than a group of men who are talking with each other saying, we may not wake, make this out alive, but let's go. That is a reflection of the glory of God. The other reflection was his word, was the word, reflecting the word. Now, John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. But the word was God. Jesus is that logos. Jesus is that word. Jesus is the word of God. And so even as, we're, as I'm saying reflect the word, I'm talking about reflecting Jesus. And I tell you, everything that we saw those men and women do 20 years ago is a reflection of what Jesus did for us. And I'm so grateful to them, but I'm so eternally grateful to him for what he's done for us. Jesus made the most unselfish act ever. And church, as we leave these doors today, and as we go through this week, we must be about living a reflection of that life and a reflection of that unselfish act. Now, does that mean that we're going to have to give our life for somebody this week? Probably not your life blood. But anytime you see someone in need and you help them, you're giving your life, part of your life to them. I mean, I have, you know, I, I, at the high school, I teach at the high school, and there's so many times, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, IT, they're my heroes. <laughs> because I get in, and I teach a computer class. I know a lot about computers, but sometimes I get into a place I can't get out of, and IT becomes my heroes. There are things that we do for one another in the normal course of life that, is, that are heroic things, and we do those because heroes do heroic things. And church, you have an opportunity to be someone's hero. You don't have to be a firefighter. You don't have to be a policeman. You don't have to be in the military. You don't have to be a healthcare personnel. You can be any of those things, but you can just be you. And here's what you can be. You can be a believer who reflects their Savior. And that's what we need to do. I just want to pray as we finish. And I want to pray for all those that I just spoke about. I want to pray for our current military, for the First responders, I'm just going to pray. Gracious God, I'm so grateful to you that you demonstrated your love for us, that while we were sinning against you, you sent your son to die for us. 
and Jesus that you came and died for us. I'm so thankful. But as we remember, as we memorialize that event 20 years ago this weekend, I also want to pray for the families of those who lost their lives. God, I pray that you would continue to bless them, touch them, and be with them. 20 years cannot erase the pain. 20 years cannot take away. And 20 years cannot replace what was taken from them. And so, God, I pray that you would rest upon them and that you would bless them. God, I pray for our nation. I pray for our current military. God, I pray for those who are serving and finding themselves even now in harm's way. And I pray that you would be with each and every one of them, that you would put a hedge of protection around them, that you would speak to their hearts, speak to their lives, speak to their minds. God, that you would just bless them as they are being our heroes and giving of themselves to bless us. Father God, I pray that you would bless our, our, our current government. God, that you would speak to their lives, speak into their minds, speak to their heart. Father God, that you would lead them, guide them, direct them, that you would just give them the words to say and the things to do. God, that you would put our nation on their hearts and what's best for our nation. And God, speaking of heroes, I know there's an honor flight coming where people are going to escort those older military veterans back to Washington, D.C., what an amazing act of heroism. And so, God, I pray for that on our flight as well. And I pray for our nation. Because, God, our country needs you. It seems, God, that we're falling farther and farther away from you as a nation. But, God, I know that if we as your people will humble ourselves and pray, then you will heal our land. And so, God, I pray that we who are your people who are called by your name who identify with who you are God I pray that we will humble ourselves and pray and I pray right now for our nation that you would heal our land that you would draw us closer to you and that we would honor you as a nation ask your blessing on the rest of this day, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.